Well, this morning we're going to pick up um, going through the book of Philippians again. We'll be starting and we'll be taking it up in chapter 2, so if you'd care to turn there. Uh, just a couple of things I'd like to mention. If you saw, if you notice in the bulletin, that once again the adult Bible study has started up again on Wednesday evenings. And it runs from 6.30 to 7.30 to coincide with uh, the kids' activities in the basement. But we decided this last week that uh, starting next week, starting this coming Wednesday, we're going to start a study of the book of Romans. So, if you think you'd like to learn a little bit more about Romans, you're welcome to come. If you have spent time studying Romans and can impart some wisdom to the rest of us, we would really like you to come. So, uh, we invite all adults to come Wednesday evenings at 6.30. And also, I'm thinking, you know, as we go a little farther into the fall here, it's going to get dark a little earlier. It'll make it a lot easier to be here at 6.32. Uh, right now, for some of us, that's kind of a struggle just to be here at 6.30. But as the, as the clock moves back and it gets darker earlier, well, that will be a lot easier. So, uh, Wednesday evenings at 6.30, we would love to have you come. Okay, I would, uh, if you would turn to uh, the second chapter of Philippians, that's what we're going to take a look at today. Uh, before we do that, let's start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you that we can be here in this place this morning. We can gather as your church. And as your church, we thank you for the word. We thank you that we can look into the word. And we just thank you that every time we do, you have something to say to us. You have something for us to learn. And so this morning, Lord, I just pray that uh, as we read these verses, as we read this chapter... You would speak to us and open our hearts and open our open our ears and that we could just hear what you have to teach us today. We just pray your blessing on this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> now here we are. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Forrest took us through the first uh, 11 verses of chapter 2, so we're going to pick it up today in verse 12. Now, the church at Philippi, um, some, as you read different Bible commentaries, some commentator, commentators are quite adamant that the church at Philippi was Paul's favorite church. Uh, others will differ a little bit, but they will all agree that it was by far one of his favorites. Uh, he, he had a relationship with this church at Philippi. That was uh, kind of unique among a lot of the other churches, a lot of the other mission efforts that he started. And when you step back and, and look at the whole book of Philippians, the whole letter, you know, we talk about these books and so on. Well, really, it's a letter that he wrote to them. It is one of the mission, uh, one of the prison epistles. Paul wrote this while he was in prison. Now, the story of how the church of Philippi got started, you read that in Acts 16. And it is quite interesting when you read through there, you get to the latter part of Acts 16 when they got to Philippi. And boy, it didn't start out. There was no great mass movement revival or anything like that. He just started out with three individuals. The first individual that Paul and Silas ministered to that actually um, responded to the gospel was Lydia. And she's described as a seller of purple. By uh, when they when they talked about the gospel, when they talked about Jesus with her, they saved she was saved from Judaism. Okay, the the second one, uh, as you go through that story, is a Greek fortune teller, um, and she's called a soothsayer. And this was a young woman that was actually a slave, and 
she was saved from demonism. Then you go on down, um, and, and it was partially, mostly because of this, they, uh, uh, this woman, they, they told the gospel to this woman, and she actually pursued them. She would pursue them through the streets, yelling and, you know, uh, really trying to give them a bad time. When they turned and ministered to her and shared the gospel with her, she was saved. She was delivered from these demons that had possession of her, and her owners are actually the ones that when, then complained to the city council and had Paul and Silas thrown in jail because they had lost their source of income. You know, without her telling people's fortune and being paid for that, they had lost a source of income, and that's how Paul and Silas landed in jail. Well, when Paul and Silas landed in jail, there's quite a story there. There was a miraculous event happened there, and they ended up leading the jailer and his whole household to Christ. So there's three people here. One was saved from Judaism, one was saved from demonism, and one was saved from um, emperorism, I guess is a good way to say it, actually uh, worship of Caesar, worship of the state. So there are three isms there that people were delivered from, and out of these people and their households, that's how the church at Philippi started. So ten years later, when Paul is in house, house prison, uh, how, under house arrest, uh, he had an ankle bracelet on and fastened to this ankle bracelet it was a Roman soldier. So he wasn't going to go anywhere. But as you, uh, as you read about that, you also know that, you know, every six hours he got a new soldier. Every six hours was somebody for him to preach Christ to. Many, many people were saved just because Paul was under house arrest. So while Paul was under house arrest, while he was imprisoned, uh, he was allowed to have visitors, and he was allowed to write. So out of this time, out of this period of time, uh, these four Gospels, four letters that are in our New Testament, they're called the prison epistles, and, and Philippians is one of them. Now, um, Epaphroditus was actually a guy from Philippi. He was a believer from Philippi that had come to Rome to visit Paul, and we're going to read about him a little bit later here at the end of this chapter, but... He was, he was the man that came to see Paul out of concern for his imprisonment, uh, uh, out of care. The, the church, the people at Philippi were concerned about Paul. They had helped him out. This was like a 10-year period that had gone by from the time the church of Philippi was established until Paul was imprisoned in writing this letter. There was a 10-year period in there. Twice in that 10-year period, the people of Philippi, hearing about Paul either being uh, imprisoned, um, injured, sick, something... Twice they had gathered up a love offering and sent it to him. Now, you know, this, this couldn't just happen within a day or two time. They weren't able to communicate like we are now. But, and, but at this time, they had heard about Paul being imprisoned. They had sent Epaphroditus to him to see to his needs. Uh, do you need help? Do you need money for food, clothing, whatever? And so then Paul eventually sends this letter back to the church, to the believers at Philippi, by Epaphroditus. So that's that's kind of that sets the scene. That's where we are here. Uh, and um, now we're like I said, we started a couple of weeks ago. Four started us into the second chapter. But there are a couple of things here. The first chapter, uh, there's four chapters in the book of Philippians. And, of course, that's our division. That's Paul did not divide this letter into chapters. That was done later as the Bible was put together. But uh, chapter one, the theme of chapter one is life's pur- purpose. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Life's purpose is Christ. So in chapter 2, what he's going to bring out here is life's pattern. To live a Christ-like life. Uh, 
And um, the, uh, you know, this letter, he, uh, Philippians, he doesn't, you know, there, there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of what you would call hard and fast teaching in it. There is so much in this letter, it's just in, in endearment to the people he's writing to. He's expressing his love for them and acknowledging how much they love and care for him. There's just a lot of uh, just really miss you, want to see you, that kind of thing that goes on in this letter. But through it comes out this, you know, what it is to be a church family, what it is to be a believer in Christ. And this letter is just a wonderful pattern for what a church is, what an ideal church is. And um, we read here about people that, you know, people get saved People do wonderful things. People mess up and sin and have to be scolded. Kind of sounds like our church, doesn't it? You know, we go along here loving and caring for one another, stub our toe, get up and go again. That's what church life is. And that's what a church, uh, you know, what a, what a church does, I guess is a good way to say it. So Paul is writing to these people here that he cares so much about. And uh, we're going to take it up here in verse 12. Now, right off the bat, right here in verse 12, is a verse that a lot of people uh, can stumble over, get confused about. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, you, you know, you love Christ, you've accepted Christ, you have salvation, you have always, be- always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. I can't be with you, but your faith is strong. And, and, and you will be obedient in my absence, but mo- much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that confuses some people. Okay? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But notice he does not say work for your salvation. He says work out your salvation. How do you work out your salvation? You can't work for your salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. That is a gift that is given to you. Well, he right in the next verse, it'll, it'll if we take a look at that next verse and think about it a little bit, it'll tell us. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God has done a work in us. So it is up to us to work out. If you think of it in terms of going to the gym to work out, you can. it'll kind of give you a little bit of insight into that. You go to the gym to work out, to, to demonstrate your fitness, okay? God has done a work in us, so our outward works are to reflect that. We work out our salvation. Our salvation is an outward showing. We're not working for, we're working out. Our, our outward acts, how people see us, that is how we work out our salvation. Um, Verse 14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless. Verse 15 is blameless and innocent. Verse 14, without grumbling or disputing. Well, there you go. You know, in family life, in church life, there's some grumbles. There's some disputing. There's some toe-stubbing that goes on. And that's exactly what he's talking about. This is a church family. This is what family life is. When you grumble, you know, when you have, you, you work through it. You take care of it. You get up and go on. And that's what, um, that's what a picture of a, uh, of a church that works is. That's what you do. You take care of things and move on. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. 
Well, we certainly know what living in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation is all about, don't we? We're, we're there. We live in the midst of a twisted and crooked generation. But let's back up a little bit here, that you may be blameless and innocent. Well, that lets me out right there. I can't be blameless and innocent. No, that's not what it means. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to live a perfect life. Being blameless uh, without blemish, uh, I can't do that. No, you can't. But, but what is the qualifier here? You are in Christ. You have accepted the gift of salvation. Being blameless does not mean without sin. I do that all the time. I make mistakes. I do things I shouldn't do. But because of Christ, I'm blameless. I won't be found guilty for it. It doesn't mean I don't sin. It doesn't mean I won't be found guilty for it. That's what being blameless is. That's what uh, children before God without blemish, because we're in Christ. Christ covers that for us. And that's what Paul is telling the people here at Philippi. Uh, Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I do not run. Oh, I kind of skipped something here. Verse 15, uh, uh, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, um, the commentary I was reading just gave a, just a really wonderful illustration about shining as lights in the world. And um, this guy, what he was writing, he was saying, uh, consider yourself as one person saved and you're ministering to another person. The person that is saved, you're the light. You're the example of light in the world. You walk so that your light shines down, shines on your feet. And, shine, and lights the path for the person behind you, the person you're ministering to. And I just thought that was a wonderful illustration. That is, that is a really good illustration of being a light to the world because we so often think about, you know, a lighthouse, a light up on a pole or a, a beacon of light or so on. But I thought that's just a really wonderful illustration of shining your light on the path at your feet. Uh, you light the path behind you so that the person you're ministering to can see to walk the path, can see to follow. I thought that was a really good illustration of being a light in the world. Um, So that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am proud, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Paul says here, even if I am to be poured out, even if I die, uh, we've talked about, uh, about this drink offering that uh, if you go back through the, uh, the the books of the law back in the Old Testament, it talks about first fruits, off, first fruits offering and pouring out a drink offering. When new wine is open, when it's completed and the new wineskin is open, uh, they were given instructions, pour the first cup. That's the first fruits offering. You pour it out on the ground as a drink offering to God. Well, that it's gone. You've poured it out. It's sacrificed. Paul says, if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering, if my life ends... It's still, uh, I, I am, I am uh, glad and rejoice with you all. If I'm poured out as a drink offering, if my life ends here, that's okay. I'm glad because I have uh, been poured out as a sacrificial offering for your faith. My ministry has done its work. But if it continues on, that's what he prefers too. So he says, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So um, th- this thing of... Uh, uh, Kevin touched on this about being prepared. If your life 
We have no guarantee of coming back here next Sunday. But at whatever point, we should be glad we should have been a sacrifice to the, to the faith, to the teaching of someone else. Now he goes on down into verse 19 here, and we kind of get into this whole thing about uh, talking about his friends, talking about how he loves these people so much, and he talks about these guys that are with him. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He's, he's uh, portraying Timothy here, his companion. He's portraying him as a shepherd. If I send Timothy to you, he will take care of you. He is capable of being your shepherd. Verse 21 says, um, For they all seek their own entrance, interests, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the people, the, the world, people in our society, people, in our, people around us. They don't have the interests of Jesus Christ at heart. They have their own interests at heart. And so that's what, you know, that's what we're living in. That's what we're uh, amongst. That's what we're in the midst of. So that is what, as we, as we witness, as we share the gospel, that's what um, we're ministering to. Now, you see, that's what, at least, and I'm kind of speaking for myself here, but that's what trips me up so many times, too. I kind of forget that, and I kind of look out for my own interests. And when I do that, I'm not a very effective witness. When I'm taking care of my own interests, I'm neglecting the interests of Jesus Christ. So that's what he's talking about here when he says, for they all seek their own interests. Interests, he's actually talking about society as a whole. They're talking about the unsaved, people that are unbelievers. So that is who we are to minister to. But see, you have to be a little bit careful about that and go back up up here. How do I work out? You know, do I work out diligently? Do I work out so that people see my actions are in the interests of Jesus Christ? And that's what he's referring to there. Then, then he goes on here to verse 22. He says, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. He thinks so much of Timothy, he thinks of him as a son. And that is what, you know, family is. It's this, um, you know, I know you got warts and I know you got bruises and, you know, I know you smell up the house, but you're my son. I love you and I will never forsake you. That is what Paul's relationship with Timothy is here. He thinks of him as a son. And that is what, you know, we seek to build those type of relationships is what we seek to build as a church family. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Basically, he's saying, I'm going to send Timothy as soon as I can, and as soon as I get sprung from jail, I'm going to come too. So, But I don't know when that's going to be. So that's why he says, I hope to send Timothy right away, and I hope to be able to come myself a little later on. Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. Okay, Epaphroditus actually came from Philippi to see Paul, to see to his needs. What can we do to help you? You know, here you are in prison. Do you need money? Do you need food? Uh, can we do anything to get you freed? So they, they came. It was out of their concern and love for Paul that they sent Epaphroditus. So now Epaphroditus has been here. Paul has written this letter back to the people at Philippi, and he's sending it back with Epaphroditus. 
Epaphroditus is ready to go home. It says, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So Epaphroditus has been here long enough, became deathly ill, nearly died, but he did recover from it. But this has gone on long enough that messengers could go back and forth from Rome to Philippi, and that was not a small distance. It's a pretty good stretch. But word got back to Philippi that Epaphras, the Epaphroditus, <laughs> I just call him Epaph and be done with it. But word got back that he had been so ill that he was near death, and and, and so they were concerned about him. So Paul is sending this letter back with him, and and talking about how your concern for him is noted and is appreciated. Also, your concern for me. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So this the, this concern for one another goes both ways. Their anxiety and their concern for your sorrow and for your grieving, it, it goes both ways there. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. You sent this guy here to take care of me. And in the process of, he, of him carrying out your ministry to me, he nearly, he nearly died. So uh, Paul is expressing his appreciation and his love for that. So like I say, so many times in this letter, uh, just, just Paul writing about love and appreciation for one another, for fellow believers, uh, that's, that's why um, it, it comes apparent that if this is not his favorite uh, mission church or his favorite church, it is certainly one of his favorites. Okay, so uh, next time we will take it up at chapter 3, and um, I'm not sure who that will be, probably John. Uh, if you've noticed that John and Diana are not here today, they are actually in Nampa, Idaho, at the annual convention of the Mennonite Aviation Fellowship. So this morning they are probably worshiping with the Levicheks, and I don't know about you, but I'm kind of excited about them being here next week. I, uh, they always have just wonderful things to tell us about what's going on in the Mission Aviation Fellowship. Um, flying adventures, you know, there's a lot of good things that happen there. So I, for one, am looking forward to hearing from them next week. Uh, also remind you, we will have a carry-in fellowship meal. Uh, those have become a little more scarce lately, but as we kind of get back into the swing of that again, why uh, I, we would invite you to participate in that. Let's close with a prayer, and then Chris will come have a closing song. Father, we just thank you uh, that we could be here this morning. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the ways that you teach us in your word. As we go from here today, Lord, we just pray uh, your presence and your guidance on each one of us. Uh, we go to our individual lives that have a lot in common and that have a lot of differences. And so we just pray that we would remember to pray for, lift up, and love one another in whatever circumstance we are. Just thank you that we could be here, and we ask for safety and protection as we go our separate ways. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.